talking to a 14, almost 15-year-old daughter. I'm trying to lead a four-year-old son. And they don't need to know all the big words. They just need to know what does God's word say. And while I appreciate the knowledge gain that God has given us, and I appreciate the, the deeper uh, Greek and Hebrew word studies, and I think there's a place for all of those. But at the end of the day, whatever your Bible that you have contains, if you just read it, it'd help you immensely. Now, if you want to corner me and get me talking, I'll tell you that there's probably a couple Bible versions that I would not recommend. They got a little too watered down and in, 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 in do it. But at the end of the day, I don't know. Whatever Bible you want to read, if you just read it, it'd probably help you. Maybe not the Jefferson Bible. Don't, don't get that one. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the Jefferson Bible, but Thomas Jefferson, one of our founding fathers, he was a little different. He, he, he's more than what we would call a deist, which believed in God, but really didn't think about the miracles and the power and all of that. And he, um, he bought two Bibles. I, I was listening to an audio book of his. He bought two Bibles so that he could have front and back, and he took a, a pen knife and he cut out the verses he liked. And he pasted them, and then later on he had that bound, and he made his own Bible. Don't do that. That's not appropriate. But there is power in the Word of God. And I want to talk to you today about a firm foundation. Starting in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6 and uh, verse 46 is where we're going to be. So uh, if you want to turn there, it be a great place to start. Because one great thing about um, reading the Bible and having the Bible in front of you is that if you're not careful and you only rely on what the preacher is saying, here's what's going to happen. The preacher is going to read one verse, two verses, whatever it is, and you only hear those verses in the context in which that preacher preaches. But when you have your Bible open, you get to see what are the verses in front of what I say. You get to see what the verses are behind it, and all of a sudden you start connecting the dots. Well, I'm going to read more than one verse because I've already connected the dots. But how many of you have heard, maybe back as a child, how many of you have heard of the wise man who built his house upon the, the, the rock and the foolish man that built his house upon the sand? That's where we're going to be. Luke chapter 6, there verse 46 through 49. What's interesting, though, is what comes directly before that parable. And that's what I want you to get. So Luke chapter 6, verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I think Jesus has a pretty valid point. Why do you say I believe in you and I follow you, but you don't listen to a word I say? Here's what the word of the Lord says. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I'll show you what he's like. So here it is. If you... Come to Jesus, if you hear his word, and if you follow his word, here is what you're like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose and the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. There is a value to a good foundation. If you're a news junkie, you may remember a story that came out around December 22, 
2015. So it's been a little bit ago. But it was a, a, and they had some videos of it. That's what caught my eye, had some videos of it. But there in Camden County, Missouri, Lake of the Ozarks area, there was a home that was slowly sliding into the Lake of the Ozarks. Firefighters had gone to the home and discovered that the earth surrounding that home was sliding and they interviewed the, the chief there of the Mid-County Fire Protection and he said that it, it was a lake home of a St. Louis family. They weren't there. But the biggest challenge that faced those emergency crews was how do you keep the house from sliding into the lake? They said that the home was sliding about half an inch an hour and had already moved eight inches from the garage in just one morning. Now, I, for, I never followed up. I want to know where the house did. I should have went and looked back, and I, I just kind of ran out of time. I told myself today, when I, when I refound the story, I said, I need to go see if it ever fell in. So I have no idea. It'd be great crappie structure if there was a whole house in the water. <laughs> uh, I remember a, a while ago... Uh, Dwayne and I, we went to over to Illinois. I don't even know where we were. He wanted to look at some Mustangs, some old Mustangs, and there was a guy that just had a field full of Mustangs. And we, we went over there, and we're, we're sitting around talking, and, and, and things happen. And, and in the course of the conversation, we learned that the subdivision that, that this guy lived in had a major problem. It was built over a mine. And because of that, there were homes sinking. And so on that one gentleman's cul-de-sac, and they had property behind it, but on their cul-de-sac, there were three or four homes that, that no one could live in. They, they were all boarded up, taped over. Uh, I remember one house, you could look, and in the middle of the house, there was a six-inch crack, six-inch wide crack where the house was falling apart. And eventually, I guess they're just going to all fall in because the land was sinking, the mine was collapsing. A good foundation is... Important. If I could extrapolate from the verse that we just read, I would say this, floods are going to come, storms are going to come, when, when that stream, I think it's the King James Version that said when the stream beats vehemently against the house, that's going to occur when it beats against your soul, if you will, you better have a good foundation. You cannot wait until the storm comes, the flood comes, the beating comes, and then decide whether or not you want to build. It's going to be too late to do so. You're going to have to make a good foundation. But if you have a good foundation and the floods come or the storm comes, then you will be fine. What, what makes a good foundation? Well, Jesus' words are this. A good foundation is if you come to God, if you hear his word, and if you do his word. And that's kind of where I want to start. I could preach a whole lot, and I could, and I, I may later, but I'm not going to give you everything about a foundation today. There's going to be some things I'll leave on the table that, that we could pick up at another sermon, but we need a good foundation. Paul wrote it this way. He said that if, if uh, anybody tries to build a foundation other than the foundation that God built, it's going to fall. If you try to build a foundation of, of wood, hay, or stubble, the fire is going to burn it up and it'll be revealed what kind of foundation it really is. The Ten Commandments, and that's really where I want to start. If you, um, if you like to read, even if you don't like to read, I want to uh, introduce you to a book, and I'm not using this book in my sermon, 
But uh, L.J. Harry, he's preached at our church before. But he's wrote a phenomenal book called Ten Words. And it's all about the Ten Commandments. And you can get it on, at the PPH website. You can go to Amazon and get the audible version and listen to it. But uh, he breaks down the Ten Commandments better than anybody I've ever seen break them down. Every chapter is, uh, uh, is on that. And so um, j- just something to, to keep. It's a, a great gift. But it's something that you would do. But let's look at the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20. So if you got your Bibles, hopefully they're real. If not, pull out your phone and turn with me. To Exodus chapter 20. I want to read the biblical account, one of the biblical accounts. It, 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 you find it a few other places. But one of the biblical accounts of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 17. This is top of Mount Sinai. Moses and God are connected. And God is giving Moses the law. Now later on, Moses is going to take those down. He's going to find a camp that's absolutely lost their ever-loving mind. They're dancing around a golden calf, and they've done forgot everything about God. And, and Moses is going to get mad, and he's going to grind up and break those Ten Commandments. And, and he's going to throw them in, and there's going to be a plague that comes. And then he's going to have to trudge all the way back up the mountain, and God's going to give it to him again. This time God's going to add a little bit. But this is the original Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not uphold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or male servant or female servant, or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Ten commandments. Ten words. Ten laws. And I challenge you to read it. In my Bible, I'll have a one beside the commandment number one. I'll have two just to kind of break it up so I can see it. Because some of those commandments are one verse. Other commandments are multiple verses. Those commandments are still valid today. There are some things in the law of Moses that do not apply today. You can find places in the New Testament where Jesus himself said that no longer applies. We can go ahead and eat all the the catfish and you can eat all of the snakes you want to eat. You can eat all of the creepy crawly things you want to eat. We don't have a, a dietary requirement of the law anymore. 
you find that, that, that that's been done away with. It's probably a good thing that you wash your hands, but you don't have to wash your hands according to the law anymore. Jesus himself said, who cares if you wash your hands or don't wash your hands? But the Ten Commandments are timeless. Those commandments form the foundation of all of God's teaching. They, they form the responsibility. And here's the key. Those Ten Commandments lay out the responsibility that you and I have, that, that, that responsibility that God has placed on His people. Living for God, there is a responsibility that you and I must carry. These Ten Commandments are there. Later on, in Matthew 22, Jesus Himself you find it, and I'm not going to take time to go through it all, but basically the whole chapter of Matthew 22 is people trying to get Jesus to trip up and say the wrong thing so that they have a reason to put him in jail. They, they tried to ask him, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And he, he said, bring me a coin. Whose picture's on it? Well, then render under Caesar what is Caesar, render under God what is God's. And then later on they tried to get him uh, all caught up about if a man you know, dies and, and he has no children and his, his brother by law would marry his wife to keep the lineage going. What if he dies all the way up to like seven brothers? And he says in heaven there's no marriage or given a marriage. And they were astonished at his teaching. But then one of them, verse 35, Matthew twenty-two thirty-five. 35, one of them, a lawyer, asked a question to test him. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment of the law? I don't think Jesus had to think about it. I don't think Jesus said, you know, that's a great question. Give me a minute. I believe Jesus instantly retorted and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the greatest and first commandment. The second is, uh, is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two depend or hang all the other commandments. Every commandment of God hangs on two principles. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those ten commandments. The first four commandments is our relationship with God. The last six are our relationship with people. And so even there, we see those two principles broken down in the Ten Commandments. I was reading a book. I'm still kind of reading it, trying to finish it, but uh, I'm pretty, pretty much through it. But there was a book back from 1980 called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made by Philip Yancey and I believe Paul Brand. And, and so far, 85% of it, I agree with it. There, there's a few things that I take some... Onus in, and I think they get real dangerously uh, away from God's word. But but eighty percent of it is good. But in it, he wrote this, and 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 when I wrote when I saw it, I took a picture of the two pages, and I then went and wrote it down because I liked what he wrote. So for the next little bit, I'm going to quote from I believe this was Philip Yancey's part of the book. But he said that what if God would have stated those ten commandments? This way. Sometimes we get all bent out of shape that he did, thou shalt not. Don't have a, you know, don't serve another God. Don't have an idol. Don't murder. Don't kill. You know, it's a negative statement. But he said, what if he put those ten commandments this way? And I, I really liked it. What if he said, I love you so much. This is God speaking. I love you so much that I will give you myself. 
that I am the true reality, the only God you will ever need. In me alone, you'll find wholeness. What if he said, I desire a wonderful thing, a direct and personal relationship between myself and each of you. You don't need inferior representations of me like dead wooden idols. You can have me value that. Or, I love you so much I gave you my name. You'll be known forever as God's people on earth. Value that privilege. Don't mess it up by profaning your new name or not living up to it. What about this? I have given you a beautiful world to work in and play in and enjoy. And in your involvement, though, set aside a day to remember where the world came from. Your bodies need rest and your spirit needs the reminder. Those next six Commandments that govern personal relationships. The first one's real easy. Honor your father and mother. That's, that's, there's really no way to say that any other, any other way. It's basically also the only promise that we, or the only commandment that has a promise behind it so that you may live long on the earth. But what about number six, the sixth commandment? Human life is sacred. I gave it. It has enormous worth. Cling to it. Respect it. It's in the image of God. And he who ignores this and commits the sacrilege of murder must be punished. Or the deepest human relationship is marriage. I created it to solve the, ex- the essential loneliness in the heart of every person. To spread what is meant for marriage alone among a variety of people will devalue and destroy that relationship. Save sex and intimacy for its rightful place within the marriage. Or or the Eighth Commandment, I'm entrusting you with property. You can own things and you should use them responsibility, responsible. Uh, Ownership is a great privilege, but for it to work, you have to respect everyone else's right to ownership. Stealing violates that right. Or the Ninth Commandment, I am a God of truth. Relationships only succeed when they are governed by truth. A lie destroys contracts, destroys promises, destroys trust, and you are worthy of trust. Express it without lying. And then the tenth commandment, I've given you good things to enjoy. Oxen and grains and gold and furniture and musical instruments, but people are always more important than things. Love people, use things. Don't get those mixed up. And don't use people for your love of things. See, you you can have different ways to describe it, but those Ten Commandments are powerful. Those Ten Commandments speak volumes into the life that you and I live even today. I know we've got some incredible builders in this church and, and people who know how to to, to create and, and, and build and make stuff, houses and flooring and, and HVAC systems that work like wonders and on days like we've had. I'm so thankful that I can walk into a cool church and it just works. But I want to I just take those Ten Commandments, using those as the basis, and I want to just talk about a foundation for a moment. I want to use some builder terms to try to help us understand why those Ten Commandments are so important. First off, if you're going to build anything, you better have a good foundation. So, um, 
if, if I'll give you just a quick, quick thing. Um, for, for the, uh, the kids save our children auction, I, I put together a, a live edge table that, that went. And I've got two more that we're making and we're going to have those available for Mother's Memorial. But, you know, you got to put those legs on it. Well, you know what? I, I learned it the hard way, not on that table, but other tables that I've done before. I learned the hard way that if you don't have a, a very uh, smooth and flat and level foundation to put the legs on, if you put the legs on and you think it's level and then you go and you put it and it goes. Because you've got to start with a good foundation. The house is only as good as the foundation is. So first off, if you're going to put a foundation in, that foundation needs to be square, needs to be plumb, needs to be right. The word plumb, it's, it's to measure to a standard. It's, it's visually important that before you build, you have a good starting spot to build. How many of you have been to the, the uh, arch and seen the video of the making of the arch? You know what astounds me on that? is they started on this leg and they started on this leg. And however many feet, 300 and something feet up in the air, it didn't match. It was off by feet. And they were freaking out. And then they realized that it had gotten hot. And so they got some big old fire hoses and they poured water all over the arch. And then it went, and it fit. How about I set this side, y'all start building something over here, y'all start building something, let's see if we really can get them to meet. You don't start building a foundation by sending someone on this wall and sending somebody on that wall. You start at one spot and you build from there. Imagine if I told four people to build a wall eight feet long and, and then we're going to just kind of put them all up. I don't think the building would be very square or true. If you start where you want to start, it'll never meet. But if everybody starts at one spot and everyone builds true from that one spot, it'll meet. The Ten Commandments and the Word of God is like that. If you will start with the Word of God before you build any theology, before you build any church, before you build any devotion, start with the Word of God and watch everything be true. Society and politics and time and people's broken, fallen, carnal nature has so muddied the issues that right now we've got people that, that, that there are things that, that God has, has spoken very true, but we've allowed the issues to muddy it. We kind of forget about it. Don't listen to the politicians. Don't listen to the thoughts of today. Don't listen to what they're teaching in public schools about it. Start with the Word of God. And so it's important, if you're going to have a foundation, it better be plumb. It better go back to one point and build it square. Another thing about a foundation, and I've learned a lot learning from, from uh, Dwayne and, and from, from Don and others. And I've seen houses being built. They'll, they'll put up these, these foundations, these foundation walls, the, the basement. And then they'll backfill them. Before they do anything else, they'll start putting dirt around it. But here's what happens. When a builder's building a basement, you pour the walls, eight, nine foot tall, but you don't put dirt all the way up to the top yet. 
you only backfill about halfway. It's because if you completely backfill a basement before you put the floor joists on, you'll run a real risk of those walls caving in. Because they were hollow without being connected. But when you start putting those floor joists on them, it gives that strength. Let me just, let me just help you out. When you're hollow on the inside, you won't be able to handle the pressures from the outside. Let me put it this way. Jesus looked at some and he said, y'all are hypocrites. You're like whitewashed sepulchers, whitewashed tomb, full of dead men's bones. But really what we were saying is you look good on the outside, you're completely empty on the inside. And, and just to look like we know what we're talking about, let the pressure begin to go on you and you'll cave like a, a cheap rag. But if you'll allow discipleship, this is why discipleship is vital because the more you get connected and the more you start building on that strong foundation, then they can start backfilling the walls a little bit higher and a little bit higher. And when you have more maturity in the Word of God, you can handle a few more things and you keep building and building. It, it matters to the foundation what's coming and getting close to you, what you allow to get close to you. Another thing that it comes to when you build a foundation is what they call compaction. The, ideal of, the, uh, the idea of compaction is that you take the ground and you compact it as tight as you can and as close as you can to solid rock. They're building a, a, a street very near us where, where we live, and it's a, an offshoot. It's called Interstate Road. They've already built some of it. It goes in front of Quail Ridge Park. It goes through Highway Z, uh, but, but they're going to do it all the way in. And they've been building it for, it seems like, a year. And you know what they do all day long? They drive big tractors over it all day long, back and forth. You know what they're doing? They're compacting that dirt. They're making sure it doesn't move. I think it, it may have been the, the Cozarts years ago telling me that y'all had built a house and something happened and you had plastic soil or something and you had to dig all the soil out and replace it with rock because the soil couldn't be compacted. There was something wrong with it. So they dig it out, compaction. This is what happened to the Lake of the Ozarks home. There was some shifting going on. The rain, the ground became uncompacted and caused a slip. And here's the thing about the, the Word of God and the foundation is anytime you begin to let up and loosen up on the truths of God, you run the risk of slipping. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. This is where it really helps you to have a real Bible because I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to keep jumping around. Do you get the hint that I'm trying to remind you all bring your Bible? Deuteronomy chapter 32, this is kind of the end of, of Deuteronomy and, and the Lord is, is giving Moses a, a final message to give to the children of Israel. God knows what's coming. Moses is about to die. They're going to go over into uh, the, the promised land. You're going to have some good battles fought. You're going to have Jericho that's going to fall. But right behind the book of Joshua comes the book of Judges where every man does what is right in his own eyes. And there was a whole lot of slipping going on. Well, here's what it says, uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, talking about the Lord. The rock, his work is perfect. His ways are justice. A God of faithfulness without iniquity, just and upright is he. Look, it says the rock. Just think about that, a firm foundation, a rock. Skip, skip down to verse 15. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked and you grew fat, stout and sleek and he forsook the God who made him and scoffed 
at the rock of his salvation. I don't need that foundation. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with abomination. They sacrificed to demons that weren't gods, to gods they'd never known, to new gods that had come recently. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you. You forgot the rock that gave you birth. I don't need that foundation. I don't need those Ten Commandments. I don't need the Word of God. It doesn't really matter to me. I can, I can have some other things. And look at verse 31. For their rock is not as our rock. One of those rocks is capital. One is not. It's talking about their gods are not like our gods. Look at verse 35. For the time will come when their foot shall slip. And then verse 37. And he will say, where are their gods? The rock in which they took refuge. They got to the place where they, they let go of the true foundation. And they got other foundations thinking it was going to be good. But those other foundations weren't like the rock. And it began to slip. Psalms 26.1 says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted in the Lord. I shall not slide. Or Psalms 37, the law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. When you get out of, uh, uh, off of that foundation that's strong, you're in trouble. Why do foundations fail? I'll tell you why they fail. Sometimes they fail because of poor construction. They're out of square. We spoke a little bit about it early, but when you're out of line with the Word of God, you'll fail. I don't know any other way to put it. I have no other way to sugarcoat that. If you're out of, of, of square with God's word, you'll fail. Go back, read Deuteronomy 32 all over again. See where God lays it out exactly. Here's what's going to happen to those who fall out of line with its word. This is why church is so important. This is why daily devotions are so important. This is why listening to your preachers and your pastor is so important. Because they help keep us in line with God's word. There's, there's another thing that happens, and I, I realize sometimes I'm talking about things I don't know exactly, but I've learned. You can have, you know, when they pour a, a, a foundation, when they pour a basement, you'll notice they always pour it, all of it, at one time. Now, now, I'm not talking about the floor. That's a different procedure. I'm talking about the walls. You don't see them pour it and then go, you know what? I'm tired. We'll come back tomorrow and we'll pour it again. They call that a cold joint. Because what happens if is when you pour it and then you try to go and pour something and connect them, it's always going to leak right there. If it's not a continuous pour, you'll never keep the water out. You can't pour a section and come back the next day and continue to pour it creates joints, it creates weaknesses. The wall will blow out. Here's what, what I mean by that. Living for God needs to be a continuous thing. I'm very thankful for God's redemptive abilities. I'm thankful for God's ability to take the prodigal and welcome the prodigal back home and put his arms around him. And I'm going to continue to preach. Uh, I, in fact, I've, I've thought about this on Facebook. I don't know if it's legal or not, but on Facebook Marketplace, someone's selling a street sign. And the street sign, it's, it's two street signs. You know how they cross the street signs? And one of them says Locust Street, and the other one says Grace Street. So I'm going to buy that, and I'm going to preach about the 
in the, the, the junction between locusts and grace and go back to, to Pharaoh and those, those uh, uh, plagues that he gave. I'm thankful for God's grace. But I'm going to tell you this. This business of getting hot for God and then getting cold for God and coming to God for a little bit and then not coming to church for a couple months and then stepping back and getting in, that continually up and down, you will constantly struggle with leaks in your life. Growing up for God, what, it, what, what God designed it was, he said, I, I've designed it from, from teach it to them. And I preached this a few Sundays ago. Teach it to them when they're children. Teach it to them when they're young. Learn. It ought to be a continual process where you're building that foundation and you never stop. But if you stop and you say, well, I'll come back in a couple months. I'll come back in a couple weeks. I'll get back to it. It's hard to mesh those back together. Those cold pores. Another thing that uh, that uh, hurt it is weak materials, poor concrete. Every once in a while, uh, you you get concrete that something just wasn't right about it. I don't care if you've got it set up perfectly. I don't care if you've got it set up with everything just right and and, and going. It's just a bad concrete. And I know some builders that, and, and maybe you have, brother and sister Cozart, you just have to tear it all down and say, pour it back with better concrete. If the concrete's too watery, it doesn't work. I don't want no watered down preaching. I want the word of God to be pure. I want the word of God to be strong. I want the word of God to be right. The other thing that, that, that makes the concrete work and foundations is voids. I don't know if you've ever seen someone do it, but you know, we always think of just pouring concrete. You know, some of you are, you are the type of builder, you dig a hole, put a post in it, and you go get a bag of concrete, and you pour it in the, in the hole, and you just pour some water on it. It'll hold the post, but I don't know that that's what you want your house to be made out of. But if they do it, they put up these forms. And they start pouring the concrete down in the forms. And then if you'll watch them, used to they did it with a big stick. Now they got these cool long things. They vibrate and they'll shove it down and it vibrates. And what they're doing is they're making sure there's no voids in the concrete. Because if there's a void in the concrete, that's where it's weak. It can look good, but there's no strength. And, and here, here, here's what you and I have got to be careful for. We can have a lot of areas in our life that we're strong in. But if you've got some voids in your life, some empty spots in your life, some places where you haven't let the Word solidify into it, you need to go take care of that. You can be good on some things, but weak on other things. That's why here at Lighthouse... Our goal is not just to preach what you want to hear and not just to preach what I want to preach, but to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. Why? Because I don't want there to be voids in our life. There can be improper mixes. You can have it too weak. You can have it too strong. You can have it too hot. You can have it too cold. These are all very real things when it comes to concrete. If you're too hard, you're unyielding hard-hearted it sets up too fast I've seen a lot of people man when it comes to the rules of the Bible man they've set up they're as hard-hearted and hard-headed as you can imagine but I've also seen people way too soft 
They never sit. They're always wandering. Nothing ever becomes solid in their life. They're wishy-washy. They just make sure that you got it right. And with any foundation, no matter how good it is, I invite you to stand with me today. With any foundation, no matter how good the builder is, no matter how much time and effort they've done, there's always going to be some settling that occurs. You ever noticed, we don't have it here at the old church, we had some beautiful crown molding that was always around the, the church, but in, very, in, very, in, the, in the very cold times, very hot times, you'd look and those cracks would show up. And then later on, they wouldn't be there. It wasn't because we fixed them, it's because the building expands and contracts and things settle. But with any foundation, there's going to be some settling and occur. But here's the thing. The amount of the settling is directly attributed to the amount of time and effort that went into the construction of the foundation. And so it is, and I appreciate it. And I'll ask you again one simple question. What are you willing to settle for? If it doesn't matter to you, then you don't really care about your foundation. and You can just kind of go with life. And, but for me, I'm not comfortable with that. The longer I raise these kids, I've got one that's in, in college, and then I've got one that hasn't even started school yet. I realize I'm going to have to raise them through that, all of that. What, what is it going to take? I can't settle. I can't have that settling in my life. I can't allow, and we know the world's going to wax worse and worse. We get that. I can't settle for that. I can't just throw up my hands and say, well, it's just the world we live in. It's going to get worse. They're going to hear things. They're going to see things. They're going to talk about things. It's just, it is what it is. I can't settle for that. Because if I do, my foundation is going to crack. And if the foundation cracks, everything built on that fails. And so it is that I'm trying my very best as a father. I'm trying my very best as a husband. I'm trying my very best as a pastor and a leader to make sure that I have a good foundation. That's why I read my Bible every day. That's why I'm praying that's why I'm even finding books like this to spend time in. I love my Louis L'Amours, and I still read them, and I love my, my other, you know, have fun. And, but, but every once in a while, I need someone to teach me. Help me get a fresh look at these Ten Commandments. Am I, am I following the Ten Commandments? Because those Ten Commandments are still valid today. The Word of God is still valid today. What is your foundation? I wonder if we could just take a moment as they play softly. Would you just talk to God for a minute? Would you just let the Lord speak to you? I don't know where, how, what, maybe the Lord nudged you and said, hey, you need to pay attention right here. I was trying to get your attention. Maybe there was a place when I was talking about how foundations are built or, or, or what, maybe there was something that, that said, hey, maybe I'm not in line or maybe, Lord, I haven't solidified and compacted enough and I'm a little loose in some areas. Lord, I'm praying right now. Father, we thank you today.